Good evening, boys and girls. That's better than it was the first night I gave you the good evening. Yes, it's good to have you here. It's good to see you all excited, back in church, and ready to see what you can learn. This evening I want to share another verse with you. I think it's something that is practical to each of our lives. And I think it's something that is something that even very little people can understand. And it's a, it's a principle that if we understand it, it's going to help us through life. But before we do that, why don't we sing a song? Do you know the song, Oh, Be Careful Little Hands? What you do? And what else do we have? Is it only the hands? Eyes. Okay, we have eyes. Tongue. We have a tongue. That's right. I want to think about that a little bit this evening. Because our tongue can be very helpful, can be very useful, or our tongue can say things that are not kind. So let's, uh, let's do the hands, the eyes, and the tongue. Okay? Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. Okay, very good. The verse I want to think about this evening, we find in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 5. And the, the verse goes like this. Whoso mocketh the poor reproaches his maker. And he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. Let's read that again. It says, Whoso mocketh the poor reproaches his maker. And that he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. Do you know what that means? Uh, that verse... Uh, tells us that, you know, one of the things we need to realize in life, and that is that God does not create, uh, He does not create us all equal. There's some people have more of some things, some people have better things, some people don't have many things at all. Uh, some things are, some things are, uh, very, or some people are very able to learn. When you go to school, it's very easy to, to get good grades in school. Other, other children have to work very hard and maybe still don't get as good of grades as someone else. Uh, we have people that when we go out and play, if we play ball, uh, they, can, they can play very well. And other people can't play as well. So, you know, God 
God doesn't make us all equal. But God loves us, each one, and he created us the way he wants us to be. And because God made each person, each little boy, each little girl, each big person, God made them. And he made them for a purpose. And he chose certain things about their life that, you know, it is that way because that's the way God chose for that person. And so when we go make fun of another person, we use our tongue, we say things unkind, we mock them or we say things that make them sad. You know, that is, that is, God is very displeased because God said, I created that person that way. Or that is, and, and the circumstances around that person's life uh, you know, he, he, he can't necessarily help for that. And so the person that mocks the poor, he reproaches his creator. Or he's, he's bringing dishonor to God who made that person. And so God wants us to speak kind words and encouraging words to other people. Now I have a story. This story goes back to years ago when I had... Uh, boys and girls, little boys and girls living in my house. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of good times together. And, and uh, one time we went to a family reunion. Now, this was a family reunion that was a big family reunion. There was not only cousins there, but there was second cousins and, 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 and lots of people there. I had a little girl. And she was really good friends with her cousin. Really good friends, and they did a lot of things together. They had a lot of good times. But when they got to this big reunion, there was another girl there that was their age, but she was a second cousin. She was, she was they didn't know her as well, and they didn't often play with her. And, and so, but anyway, they got to playing together. And, they played nice for a lot of the day, and then all of a sudden, the one girl said to this other little girl, um, I don't like your dress. And uh, the other you know, cousin said, yeah, it's actually, it's kind of ugly. Uh, I don't like that. And after a bit, this, this other girl, she gets very sad, and she starts to cry and after a while she goes into her mommy and she sits beside her mom. <laughs> well mommy said, what's the matter, dear? What's what's wrong? You the girls don't like my dress. They said my dress is ugly. And well, mommy didn't know what to say right and but there was two other mommies in that room that knew who them other two girls were. And so they went out and they talked with them girls and they told them they have to stop that, they have to play nicely. But when we got home that evening, we had to try and make our little girl understand that that was not acceptable. So we told her that that was totally unacceptable, and to help her remember, we had to give her some special discipline for that, because we cared about her. And so we thought that was all taken care of. 
And next year, this big family reunion comes up again. And so these same three girls, now they're one year older, should be one year wiser, and they get to playing together again. And, and what do you think happens? Think everything goes smooth all day? No. Partway through the afternoon, one of the girls says, your dress is ugly. <laughs> I don't like your dress. Yeah, the other one said, yeah, I wouldn't wear one like that. After a bit, the little girl, she was crying again. She was very sad. She goes in and sits beside her mommy, and mommy says, what's the matter, dear? Well, they're, they said, Mom, their dress isn't nice. They, they wouldn't wear my dress. And, well, this time, we again, we had to go home. We had to go through the same thing again. And then, you know, the next year, we have a big family reunion again. Now what do you think happens? Think, what, what do you think happens this time? Well, that time, nothing out of the ordinary came out of it. But uh, uh, now this little girl that, that, that my daughter, she's, 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 a, she's a lady, and she has four children of her own. And now we come home, and we talk about lessons we learned when we were children. And uh, she said she well remembers the third year. She said she so badly wanted to tell her again <laughs> that her dress is ugly. But she said, I thought about it, and I thought, no, I can't get away with that. It's just not worth it. And so we'll play together nicely. And so they played together, and now she, she thinks back of how she learned that lesson, that you don't, uh, you don't mock the poor. You don't, you don't do that, but rather you be kind. And so... When you see someone and you're tempted to make fun of them, you're tempted to uh, do something that isn't kind to make them sad, remember, the person that mocks the poor is also reproaching his maker, the one that created him. So see if we can remember that. Okay, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we again come to you this evening. We thank you for this a precious group of children that is here this evening. We pray your special blessing on their lives. We pray that you would help them to learn the lessons in life that would be helpful for them as they go through life. We pray that as they come to years of understanding, that as you would call them to yourself, that they would be ready to respond and give their hearts their lives to you. Again, Father, we pray your special blessing on their lives. We pray for the parents in whose homes you have entrusted them, we pray that you give them wisdom and strength for training them in the paths of truth and the paths of righteousness. And we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you just may go back to your parents. Again, we want to welcome each one to our service this evening. We extend a special welcome to the visitors that we have with us this evening. And we greet you in the name of Jesus, the one who knows the hearts of all men.
We find if we go back into Acts chapter 1, verse 24, as the disciples were seeking a replacement for Judas, and they were seeking whom the Lord would have to fill that work, uh, they prayed to the God, or to the Lord, who knew the hearts of all men. Tonight, God can look down into our lives. He can look into the very recesses of the heart, and he knows what's there. About two years ago, I was preparing for back surgery. I was planning to have a back surgery done, a laser surgery that was uh, going to be done at a, a clinic, and they wanted me to get all my pre-op work done uh, and bring that along, send that ahead so it was ready to go. And so I went to see my family doctor, and of course one of the things he did was he, you know, they laid me down there on the, on the bed, and they hooked me up with all these wires and stickers and, and hooked wires to it and did a, an EKG. And as they did that EKG, the nurse come back in and she read it and she said, oh, uh, no, that, that's not, uh, let me run that again. She said sometimes they don't read accurately, so they, uh, they, they re-hooked it or she, she hadn't unhooked me yet. She ran the, the uh, EKG another time and, uh, of course, by this time I'm wondering what's going on. And so I said, uh, you know, did it change? And she, she said no, and she walked out the door before she did anything else. And it wasn't too long the doctor was in, and right away he was asking me all kinds of questions. And, uh, do you feel okay? You, you don't have any chest pain. You, uh, I said, you know, what, what's... Well, he said, you had a heart attack. And I said, no, I, I, I don't think so. Well, he said... The EKG shows that there is, there is a spot of heart damage on the heart. And he said, you know, you, you must have, I mean, you obviously uh, must have had a heart attack. Well, that gets your attention a little bit uh, when you think you're perfectly healthy. And so he said, you know, you, you need to go see a heart doctor, a heart specialist. He said, uh, they'll set an appointment for you up at the front desk and, and you go to the to the uh, specialist, you get checked out, and, and uh, you're going to need some farther tests. And so I, I went to see the heart doctor, and he, he had looked over me, and he looked at my profile, and he said, yeah, he said, I, you know, he said, there's no way, he said, there's no way that an anesthesiologist will put you under with a report you have on you right now. And so he, uh, you know, he scheduled an appointment. Uh, for, for, for me to come back into that office and get a, uh, a stress test and, and all them kind of a heart, uh, uh, yeah, something they, they examined the heart through x-ray. And, and uh, you know, I, I found, you know, the pay, it was that, that morning I went in there and I was sitting and I, I happened to see the note that the, the doctor wrote to, to the, uh, to the uh, one that was going to be doing the test. He, the folder was laying open, so it was easy for me to read. They had on there, uh, male, middle-aged, well-built, fully nourished, suspecting, <laughs> suspecting heart disease. And, you know, this, this here kind of, but anyway, they took me through the stress test, and a few days later, I, or a, few, a week later, I went back, and, and uh, you know, I, I had the consultation with the doctor, and 
You know, he didn't seem to have an awful lot of time. He said, hey, everything looks good. He said, we run the, we run the stress test. He said, uh, strong heart, all is well. I said, well, what about the EKG? Well, he, you know, he said, I don't know, but he said, really, he said, what, what the stress test showed, it was okay. I said, well, do, you, you know, do I need to come back? He said, well, no, he said, you know, maybe five years would be good to get checked up again. And, and I thought when a doctor don't want to see you again, that's a, that's a pretty good sign that, that, that things aren't that bad. But nonetheless, it, it did get me uh, thinking about my heart, the condition of my heart. And, uh, you know, when, when the heart fails in the body, when there's a problem with the heart, you know, the outcome of that often is pretty serious. It did get my attention, and so I uh, did a little research, and of course I, I got, you know, what, what, what's the best things to do? And so I, I went on a diet. I mean, I, I started really watching my weight. I lost 20-some pounds, and most of them somehow again found me. But... <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, I, the other thing I did, I, you know, it, this, this, this was looking serious, and so I got into walking. I, I tried to walk 30 minutes a day at least five times, a, five times a week, and, you know, things were going pretty good. But, you know, after a while, you know, somehow or the other, you, you get unconcerned again, and you kind of go back to your, your patterns of life, and, and uh, so, you know, the, the, the heart, the heart of the body, you know, the heart in the body is, is very, uh, very critical. And yet, you know, we have the Bible talks about the heart. Uh, as a matter of fact, as I, as I considered this message and I began uh, looking at the, the subject of the heart, uh, there was that many scriptures that many passages in, in, the, in the Old and the New Testament that referred to the heart, it was, it was kind of somewhat difficult to know exactly, you know, which passages to use and, and to bring that together. But the, the seriousness is, is that our spiritual heart, the heart that the Bible refers to is something that, that needs to be kept under close check. Uh, if you look at Proverbs 4.23, it tells us there that we're to keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, the heart, uh, it tells us there that we're to keep the heart, and that, that, that keep has the idea in the Hebrew of placing a guard and protecting it, keeping a close watch on what's happening, uh, try to protect it from, from, from something that is going to disease the heart, and then we're to be on a maintenance program. We're, we're, to, keep, we're to keep it maintained. And when you think of that uh, diligence, it says we're to keep the heart with all diligence. And that word diligence there has also the idea of a guard, but to put it in a guarded state like, like as into a prison. It has the idea of a prison, you know, taking something and imprisoning it and setting a guard to watch it. It's to be something that is to be under constant and continual observation. 
And he said, because out of it come the issues of life. And that, that issues, it's, it has, it, in its primary sense, means the things that flow out or the things that grow out of the heart. And uh, it's a little bit like a seed that, that, is, that is planted into the ground. You know, it's what is in the ground after it's planted, it's covered. You don't see it. And if you watch plant life, you know, there's, there's a period of time where that seed lies under the ground and it begins to grow. It begins to send sprouts downward. It begins to uh, send uh, sprouts upward off that seed. And while that's taking place, you don't see it. Nobody else sees it. There's no evidence that it's taking place. But finally the day comes that that, that that seed, that plant, begins to break through the ground. And as it breaks through the ground, the, the, the more and the longer it grows, the more evidence that is there as to what kind of, of seed that is and what kind of fruit it's going to produce. The Bible is telling us that we're to be careful as to what seeds are, are in the heart, what things are in the heart, because that's what's going to grow out of it. You know, we, Jesus taught, gives the example, the, 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 the wheat and the tares. And I know that's referring uh, to the kingdom of God, but that, that same concept of what is put into the ground is going to come out, and when it comes to maturity of fruit, you're going to see what was in the heart. And I, I know in our society today, it's so easy to feed on things that can go into the heart and take root, and you don't see them for a period of time. But after a while, the, the fruit of what was in there comes out. A number of years ago, uh, I was having revival meetings in a congregation that had been going through quite a bit of a turmoil. But in the, in the congregation there, there was, there was a young man. He grew up, uh, he was a son of one of the leaders there. And his parents said, you know, he was always a very responsive young man. Uh, never one to, 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 always willing, always striving to do what was right, what was good. But, you know, the, the, the time had come there, they were, there was probably some evidences that things were, were not going well. There was, there, was, there was some inner struggle going on and nobody seemed to really know what was, what was taking place. But it, it came to a time and a point that one night after a church service, he walked out the church doors and he said that the statement he made is that he has no intentions of coming back. He went home. He told his wife. He said. I've been. I've been unfaithful. He said I've. Recently met another lady. That somehow he got involved with. And he said. You know I'm, I'm leaving. And he packed his bags. And he left. But until that time. Everything on the outside looked well. 
I'd like to say this evening that that didn't just happen. There was something that was planted. There was something that was seeded in the heart that had taken sprout and had taken root and finally came to a place where the fruit of it came out. Tragic situation. But this evening, I would like to say we need to keep our heart with all diligence. That's the title of the message this evening. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. As we look at the heart, in the Old Testament, we, the heart comes from the Hebrew word lab, and that has to do with the seat of the will, uh, the will, the mind, and the emotion. If I understand correctly, it, it has to do with those things. We come into the New Testament, the word heart, the, the Greek word there is karadia, or the same word that we get cardiac and all those kind of words from. Again, it has the idea of the seat of our thoughts and our feelings. And if I dare add to it, I believe it's in the heart where we have the, the reference to the values of life. You know, it's there where we decide what is valuable and what is not valuable. You know, we begin to associate values in the heart to everything that's outside that. And I believe it's also the seat of our affections. You know, we, the Bible tells us that we're, we're, we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's in 1 John chapter 2, Colossians chapter 3 says that we're to set our affections on things above and not of the things on the earth. And I'd like to say this this. this this evening, you know, we, we look at each other and we see what's going on in the external. But it tells us, the Bible tells us that God looks on the heart of man. You know, he said, God, you know, we have in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, we have, we have Samuel the prophet being sent to the house of Jesse to anoint a king over Israel. And, and Samuel was going to anoint the oldest son. And God says, no, I, I have refused him. And one of the things that, that God tells Samuel there, he said, I don't look at man on the outward appearance. You know, I, don't, I don't judge or value man as man values man. But he said, I look in the heart. And he said, therefore, I have refused him. God looks on the heart. As we think of our heart, the first point I would like to look is at the heart of the natural man. What is natural to the heart? Now, I've mentioned before that the heart uh, is, is like the ground in which to the seed is planted. And it's out of that 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 seed grows. But the Bible is clear that man comes with a heart that stands in enmity towards God. You know, man does not begin good and turn evil. As, as, as some sociologists and psychologists would try to have us believe today. 
But the, the human nature is, is against God. The, 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 the unregenerate heart is going to gravitate to sin and rebellion against God. And I believe those seeds are, are, are there at birth. You know, it doesn't, you, you don't have to teach a child to be bad. You, you don't have to instruct them how to do mischief. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to cheat. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You know, those things, those seeds are in the heart. Proverbs 22:15 says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. We go to Romans, uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, whereby as one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Therefore, death hath passed unto all men in that all have sinned. You know, the, the, the natural tendency to sin is, is in the human heart from its very beginning. And uh, we go to Matthew chapter 15. I'd like to turn to that and uh, just read a, a few verses there. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus there is uh, speaking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees had been chiding him for his, him and his disciples for eating with unwashed hands, and they're, they're calling Jesus to account for that. And, uh, you know, Jesus responds to them that it's not what enters in to a man's uh, mouth that is going to defile him, but it's what uh, comes out of the mouth. And he, he uh, in verse 12, it says, Then came his disciples unto him and said, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. And let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both fall into the ditch. Then verse 15, it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do you not understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draw? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hand defileth not the man." You know, there Jesus is simply saying these are things that are going to come out of the hearts of the natural man. You know, God, it doesn't paint a very good picture for man. The evil heart will have a love for the world. It will have a love for the things of the world. The evil heart, the unregenerate heart, is going to stand in rebellion to God. And so, you know... The next point I'd like to look at, like I said, that doesn't give a very good picture, but that is what the Bible teaches us. You know, that, there, that out of the, the hearts of men are going to come evils. The second point I'd like to look at, and that is that God wants to cleanse, cleanse us and give us a new heart. You know, God, God wants 
You know, God looked down on our heart condition. You know, you look at the condition of the heart. Uh, that, that, that heart is just like a person uh, spiritually, just like the, natu- or the, the physical man goes in and they tell him he's got a bad heart and it's, it's, it's life-threatening. These things have a person hanging on the fringes of eternal damnation. And God looks down and God has the desire to cleanse the heart if we open our heart to him and allow him in to do the cleansing. And so we have, uh, God wants us to do the cleansing. A few Old Testament verses back in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 24 to 27. And maybe I'll back up to verse 21. Here it's God speaking to Israel. And what he's going to do for them. He says, but I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel hath profaned, among the heathen, whether they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall sanctify, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Verse 24 says, For I will take you from among the heathen, I will gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land, and there will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You know, there God is looking down at the heart condition of Israel, and he makes them a promise of what he will do. Now we look at it in its context here. I believe it is referring to what he intends to do as he takes them back from captivity and again places them in their own land. There's going to be a revival in Israel. And we can see that as we look into the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and some of the the post-captivity prophets. You know, God worked a work in the life of Israel, but I believe even more he's looking forward to a life and a work that he's going to do in the hearts of not only Israel, but of all men. All men that would, would, would allow him, he's going to cleanse them. He's going to give them a new heart. And brothers and sisters, this evening, it's only through that cleansing that, that, that was provided by God through our Lord Jesus Christ that we can have our heart cleansed from the evils that are going to destroy us. You know, God, God promises that. We see here the heart of God uh, 
desiring to cleanse. You go into the book of Psalms. You have the, the prayer and the confidence expressed that David gives there of his desire to be clean and God's tender mercies to cleanse him. Psalms 51, 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Uh, he, David pleads that the Lord would search his heart and know him, try him, see if there's any wicked way in him and lead him in the ways of righteousness. Uh, in, verse, in Psalms uh, 19, 12, he, uh, uh, David says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Uh, cleanse me in the hidden recesses of the heart that I may be clean before you. Going back, uh, going into the New Testament, going into the book of Romans. Again, God's work of salvation and cleansing that he has made available for us today. In uh, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, it tells us there that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There you see the provision that God has made if we're going to allow him to cleanse our heart, if we're going to come in confession and, and believing that he is, he is able to, to cleanse us. You know, we have uh, God's precious promise of cleansing. And you go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses, uh, verse 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. It says there, uh, just, just backing up, it says uh, in verse 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, uh, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall enter into the kingdom of God. You know, those sins that are mentioned there are things that grow out of the unregenerate heart, the heart that is, is bound with sin. And we have, we have here, he said, you know, those shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. But what I want us to get is verse 11, where it talks about those who have been cleansed. He says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, God has a cleansing work that he wants to do in the hearts and lives of, of, of men. Even though man comes with the, with the bondage to sin, God desires, God has made every provision that you and I can be clean, that we can be free, that we can get a clean bill of health on our spiritual heart before God. And I'd like to look, the last point I'd like to look at this evening is the cleansed heart. The cleansed heart. God comes in, he does a work in the hearts of men. He gives us a new heart and, and a new life. 
And we want to look at the pure heart. I'd just like to look at a few verses in the New Testament for that. You can turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It tells us here, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of a faith unfeigned. You know, here is a new heart. And he brings in here uh, the end of commandment. Uh, as we think of the commandment, you know, God has a law. God has a standard of righteousness. And the carnal heart, the carnal heart is always fucking that law. Because the carnal heart does not have its focus on God but it has its focus on the things that are against God. You know, God's, where God's law is, the, the, the human nature is, is going to be to focus away from God. And God has a law, and it says, here is the line. Here is the line. And God has a law, the line, you know, the things that grieve the heart of God, uh, the, the things that grieve the heart of God, a thousand years ago, grieve the heart of God today. The things that God said I hate a thousand years ago, God hates today. And you know, the carnal heart is still seeing just how far I can get to that, that line. It's like someone said, the problem with laws is that there's lawyers. And lawyers will try and figure out how far you can go over the line and still be justified as being okay. And that's, that's the nature of the carnal heart. But brothers and sisters, this evening, when we've been born again and God has cleansed our hearts, the reality is our focus is no longer out into the things of the world out into the things of sin, out into the things that God hates. But rather, we turn our focus onto the person of Jesus Christ, we focus on the will of God, we focus on the purposes that he has for us, and we pursue it. And I would like to say, you know, that, that line, you know, that, that line that was here, a person that is out here, still in the, in the bondage and clutches of sin, that has begun to set his focus on the salvation that Jesus Christ has for men. I believe there's, 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 there's more hope and more excitement I see when I see people like that than I see people that are inside, they claim to be Christians, they stand over against the fence and they have their focus on the defilements of this world. And so he's saying here, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. He's saying it's, it's, it's love out of a pure heart. Now, there was a Pharisee came to Jesus one day and thought he was going to catch him up in his words. And he said, now, Master, uh, we know that you teach the way of truth and... and uh, 
you know, tell me, what is the greatest commandment of the law? You know, what, it, you know if I'm going to, here's this, here's this law, here's this fence, which rail in that fence is, is the most important? And I, I really think that that, that that scribe there, he had in mind that, that if Jesus would say this one is, well, he would, he would try and pick an argument and, and well, no, why not? What, you know, what makes that more important than this? He had, a, he had an argument in mind. But Jesus simply looked at him and he says, this is the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy, what? The heart. Love it with all your heart. And all your soul, all that is within you, and, and, and them expressions he gives there all have to do with the inner man or the heart. God wants a heart in us that loves him, that desires to walk in his ways. And, and when we do that, he said, second and like unto it is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Coming back to relationship with God, relationship with our fellow men. He said, on these two hang all the law and commandments. And brothers and sisters, when the heart is sound, the focus is on Jesus Christ. The focus is on the will of God. There's a desire, there's no more sitting over here inside the fence hankering for the things that God has forbidden. But rather we look to the riches and the treasures that God has for us in Christ Jesus. He says the end of the commandment is, a pure, is, uh, is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith on feigned. A good conscience. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20 verse 27 says the spirit, of the, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the inward parts. You know, the, 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 the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the inward parts. You know, God looks down in our life. Uh, he shines his, his, his light into our heart. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that the conscience, it talks here about a good conscience. You know, I believe... Our spirit is a faculty of, or the conscience is a faculty of the spirit. And when we, when we sin, when our relationship is not right with God, there's a still small voice that troubles the heart. I've had my children tell me already, but I did that, but I didn't know it was wrong. Well, I said, did you, did you do it in the open? Well, no. Well, why not? And the reality is there was a conscience that wanted to suppress the deed into darkness. And when the conscience suppresses, it, it, it speaks to wrong. Now, our conscience can be seared. Our conscience can be seared. We can, 
we can, we can turn that still small voice away from our life to the point that we'll hardly hear it. You know, we're so, so ingrained in doing our own thing that we hardly hear it. Or we can, we can quench it. We can, we can just simply, uh, simply not hear it. And, you know, it, it makes it very dif difficult at a time like that. But one of the things that when we come to Jesus Christ and we allow his spirit to come and indwell us, even if our conscience was deadened by sin and rebellion, you know, God, God enlivens that conscience and gives us the ability to hear the voice of his spirit in our life. And, and when, when we go against that voice of that spirit, you know, there's going to be guilt. But when we have a good conscience and, and there's the things that are in my heart, I'm free from the bondages that can be hidden in the heart, you know, there is freedom. Uh, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 put it like this. He said, Beloved, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. But beloved, if our heart condemneth not, condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And what a, what a beautiful example. The pure heart is, is a heart that, that thrives on the love of God. It thrives on allowing the Spirit of God to search our lives thoroughly and completely, looking into the depths of the heart and the, and the hidden parts of man. Uh, the other thing that it talks about there, that there's the unfeigned, uh, the unfeigned love of the, of the brother uh, in verse 5. Unto unfeigned, or no, it says uh, good conscience and to faith unfeigned. Not something that is simply hypocritical, but it's a faith that simply believes the things that God tells us in his word and we're willing to act on it. I believe the, the strongest evidence of faith in an individual's life is the obedience, the yielded obedience we give to God through his revelation that he gives us through his word. You know, we don't obey and we, we, we know what the scripture says and yet we refuse it and we, yet we profess that we have a great faith in God. I believe there's something missing. I believe that's a feigned faith. But a faith unfeigned uh, is a faith that is, uh, is genuine. It's not going to uh, be hypocritical. As we look at, uh, we could look at some more verses here yet this evening. Uh, and yet I believe it's, it's time to, to bring the meetings to a close here. Uh, you know, 1 Peter, well, 2 Timothy ver, uh, chapter uh, 2 Timothy 2, chapter 22, talks about there, uh, maybe I'll just read that verse and not make any comment on it, but it says uh, in verse 22, it says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, again, you have the evidence of the pure heart, the faith, the charity, the, the, the yieldedness, uh, fleeing away, turning away from sin. Uh, those, are, those are all evidences of a pure heart. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, 
it talks about the hidden man of the heart or the, the person that, that is allowing Christ to reign in their lives and, and that expression of that, that, that purity of heart is going to radiate out into all of life. And in the context there, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it talks about the, 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 uh, the pure in heart and the, the biblical modesty that is, that, that is going to express itself on the outside. You know, we have the, the, uh, you know, the, hidden, the hidden values of the heart. Brothers and sisters, this, this evening are going to come out. And God is looking in to each of our hearts here this evening. God wants to cleanse everything from our heart that is going to hinder us from that pure heart that God has, that, that God has designed or, or, or desires for us to have. Uh, the... The, uh, the pure heart this evening is God's desire. And I'd, I'd just like to say this evening that, you know, I can't see into your heart, but God can. And I know today, I believe we stand in a, in a day that it is so easy to fill our minds with garbage in a secret way that we think no one else knows it, we can hide it, we can hide it, nobody else knows, and, and somehow we're getting away with it. Brothers and sisters, God looks into our heart. And those defilements that come to us by nature are eventually going to yield fruit that is visible. It will not be hid. God can see into our heart. God wants to cleanse our hearts. He wants to cleanse them completely from anything that is going to take us away from God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Without that purity of heart, we will not see God. Tonight, as you stand before God, what does the EKG read? What does God's EKG show? You know, I can't tell you that, but God knows. And I am convinced that through the power of the Holy Spirit and the conscience, you know what is in that heart. And so this evening, the, 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 the reality is that we need to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, thou who knowest the hearts of all men, we pray that your spirit would move freely among us here this evening. Father, should there be any here whose heart is not right with you, that there's seeds, hidden seeds of lust, hidden seeds of, of greed, hidden seeds of covetousness, hidden seeds of envy, hidden seeds of pride. Father, we just pray that you would make that known and that, the, 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 that you would search our hearts and should it be found in any of our hearts, that we would be willing to give it to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, this evening I'm going to give an invitation. 
If the Lord has been speaking to you of needs in your life, we invite you to come this evening and be free. Uh, I realize that this is not the only place that we can take care of issues of the heart. I'm thankful that God has made that door open, that we can come to him at any time. But you know, I believe there's a particular strength that comes when we're willing to be honest with God in the presence of the brethren. We're going to sing a, a verse or two verses of invitation hymn. What will the hymn be this evening?